Luke 9, verses 57 through 62, and I read in Jesus' name. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Father, as we study your word, I ask that you would bless us and that you would guide us. Lord, that you might be glorified in us. Lord, that we might reveal you in our very lives. Lord, that you might be praised among us. Father, guide us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so as, as Luke is continuing his journey to, well, is continuing his story, we've got, we see Jesus going towards Jerusalem because that's the majority of Luke is actually Jesus in Jerusalem and what happens there and how that all works and what happens afterwards. And so this is part of that. But this, this should speak to us because our lives are things of travel too. We're, we're always transitioning. We're always moving. And as we see this, as we see these people coming and meeting up with Jesus and then leaving, we should ask, well, where do we fall in all of that? Where do I fall in all of that? How do, how do I interact with this? Because we have this first guy coming to Christ. And he says, Lord, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And he, you know what? That sounds good, right? Are you guys willing to say that? Yeah, Lord, I'll follow you wherever I go. And like, but what does he mean? So we have to look at how Jesus responds to him and read back into this because I don't, I don't know this guy's motives myself. I can't read this story and say, I know exactly what he's thinking. But rather, I have to look at how Jesus responds to him and then figure out his motives from that. Because Jesus says to him, um, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So when this guy says, Lord, I'll follow you wherever, I, wherever you go. What's he saying? Lord, I'll follow you and I expect provision. I expect stuff. I expect rewards. I'll follow you wherever I go as long as I'm getting something out of it. Because that's why a lot of people follow Christ. We want something out of it. I want peace. I want joy. I want satisfaction. I want, I, I want my life to be better. I want my life to be better. And so I'm going to follow Jesus so that my life is better. Because isn't it, isn't it better to walk with the Lord? Does that mean that it's easier? And, and that's where the rub comes in. Because if I'm thinking easier is better, then I'm going to pick and choose where I walk with the Lord. I'm going to walk with the Lord when that's the easy thing to do. But then when push comes to shove, mm, I don't know. Am I, willing to, am I willing to give up all of my earthly comforts? Am I willing to give up all of my earthly goods? Am I willing to give up? If push came to shove, would I be willing to give up my house? Would I be willing to give up my money? Would I be willing to, you know, have we're, what we're seeing right now going on in Canada with the truckers and their freezing assets? If, 
If they said, if you go to church, we'll freeze your assets. We'll take your money. Would you still be willing to go to church? Would you be willing to worship Christ? You know, that potential exists nowadays. If push came to shove, would you be willing to continue to walk with Jesus when life got hard to walk with Jesus? Because Jesus shows us here that it isn't about earthly things. It isn't about holes and nests. You know, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air has nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He says, as I'm going in this world, I'm not living for the things of this world. And I'm not pursuing the things of this world. And if the things of this world come, that's one thing. But that's not the goal. Ease, comfort, physical blessings. I don't care what Joel Osteen or you know, any of these health and wealth preachers talk about. That's not what the gospel is about. That's not liberation theology. They're not right. That's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is about us following Christ. It's about Christ giving us eternal life, which then if God gives us eternal life and glory, that shines back into our lives now. And that fills us with joy. I can experience hardship. It was Frederick Nietzsche that said, a man can endure any what as long as he has a sufficient why. So why am I enduring this? It's for the sake of Christ. I can endure it. Why am I enduring this? It's for the sake of having an easy life. You're not going to do it then. You're not going to endure. So do, Lisa, do people run in order to have an easy time? So if you're in the middle of a marathon and you're doing this because this is the easiest thing you could do and it gets hard, what are you going to do? You're going to quit. You're going to give up. Jesus is saying, this isn't easy. But you know what? He is Lord. Who is Lord? What is Lord? And that's the question that he brings us to here, what he brings this guy to. I'm going to follow you as, as long as you provide for me what I want. Jesus says, well, then I'm not really Lord. Your wants are. Lord, I'm going to follow you as long as you give me enough money. Well, then what's your Lord? Money. I'm going to follow you as long as I have a nice house. And what's your Lord? What's, what's your Lord? A nice house. I'm going to follow you as long as I get whatever. Whatever that is. Whatever that thing that you're willing to give up Jesus for. That thing is Lord. I'm going to follow you as long as I'm safe. Well then what is your Lord? Safety. Jesus says that's not the way this works. Because he reveals to us, I have none of these things. So you can't expect them either. Because all throughout history and right now, 2022, there are Christians who are being persecuted simply for being Christians. They're not Buddhists. They're not, Hidden, they're not Hindus. They're not Muslims. They're not communists. They're Christians. So they're being persecuted. Period. Would you be willing to stand up against that? Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go as long as things are easy. Things aren't always going to be easy. Jesus says, Luke says, to another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. So Jesus, this isn't a guy coming up to Jesus now. Now we have Jesus actually calling a guy. He comes to another and he says, you follow me. And this is what Christ is calling us to do too. 
to follow Jesus. Not just, so when we think about following Jesus, we shouldn't be thinking about just calling ourselves a Christian. I'm going to call myself a Christian. Well, good for you. But what does that mean? You know, I think about this. I, I sought to apply this to my life. Okay, Lord, what does this mean? Follow me. Are, are you setting your goals to be what my goals are? Are you setting your desires to be my, what my desires are? Are you setting your thoughts on what my thoughts are? Who are you following? If I'm setting my thoughts on the things of this world, I'm following the things of this world. You know, if I'm looking to, I've, I've made this comparison a number of times, but I, I used to follow a woodworker and now I don't simply because I don't have time. But and his name was Paul Sellers. Paul Sellers was a hand tool woodworker. He liked hand planes and hand saws and you name it. He hardly ever used machines unless he was doing stock prep. And he said he finds great satisfaction in using hand tools. So if I follow Paul Sellers, what am I going to look to for satisfaction? Hand tool woodworking. That's where he finds it. That's where I might find it too. But you know what? Jesus says, follow me. No, the reason I quit following or listening to Paul Sellers, again, because I ran out of time. I just, I have kids now and my shop sits empty. <laughs> but who are we following? Because this is Christ's call to us. Who am I looking to for affirmation? Who am I looking to to guide my life? Who am I looking to for wisdom? Who am I looking to to live my life properly in this world? That's the person that you're following. Jesus says, follow me. Think like I think. Act like I act. Do as I do. Pursue what I pursue. Follow me. And this guy says, Lord, whoop, I'm in the wrong. Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And so the way that this reads in the Greek is that he's saying, my father's still alive. I'm going to stay there because I have social obligations. I've got obligations with my father. I've got obligations with my family. You're like, well, the funeral's right there. It's just going to be a couple days. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, Jesus, I will do that as long as all of my social obligations are first met. Then who's Lord? His social obligations. He's willing to give up Jesus in order to keep his relationship with his family, in order to keep good standing in his community. I want to have good... How many of you would like to have bad standing in your community? Nobody. Of course not. How many of you would love your family to hate you and look down upon you? Well, none of us. But are we willing to endure that for the sake of Christ? Because that's the question. Am I willing to disappoint my family for the sake of Christ? That's a harder question. Am I willing to disappoint them? Am I willing to not meet their expectations? Whether those expectations are whatever they are, am I willing to do that for the sake of Christ? Am I willing to disappoint all of my community for the sake of Christ? Because th it wasn't, you know, family and then the communities out here. No, th those things were integrated at this point. This, this is like the old-fashioned small town. We need to think about it like that. They're all family. Am I willing to live in that sort of world? Am I willing to set my social priorities below God's priorities? Follow me. Who is your Lord? Are the people around you your Lord? Because that's the, that's the rub here with this guy. He wants the people around him to be happy with him too. Some of you are like, I don't really care what the people around me say. 
Well, that's not necessarily bad. But then what are you pursuing instead? Where are your priorities set? Because Christianity, when push comes to shove, is costly. Jesus says, I am Lord. Either I am Lord or something else is Lord. You can't have it both ways. So are you willing? I was, I was thinking about, well, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to name her, but someone in the congregation's mother who always talked about Jesus to such a degree that other people got tired of talking to her because they didn't want to talk about Jesus. How sad. But she, that's, how, that's how much she loved Jesus. She loved Jesus so much. She just wanted to talk about Jesus. But then other people didn't love Jesus that much and so they didn't want to talk to this lady about Jesus. Would you be willing to endure that for the sake of Christ? What are your priorities? Jesus also calls us to usurp our emotional goals. You know, and this one's tough. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back as fit for the kingdom of God. I just want to say goodbye. Jesus is saying you missed it. You missed it. Because you're trying to live both there and here. You're, you're trying to hold on to your comforts instead of holding on to me. I just want to say goodbye. No. It's more than that. You're looking to your family. You're looking to your community. You're looking to all of that stuff that you had in the past as your emotional hold, your emotional comfort. You're not looking to Christ. You're not looking to Him for satisfaction. You're not looking to Him to fill you. You're not looking to Him that's the problem here. It isn't just about saying goodbye. It's about looking back. Are you always going to be focused on, on that, on what you had, on what you could have had, on what you might have had? Are you always going to be looking at that, feeling bitter now that you're walking this way and you're leaving that behind? That's an emotional goal. I want my emotions to be satisfied in this as well. Are you willing to die to those things that used to bring you happiness for the sake of Christ? Have, have any of you ever ran a tractor, done tillage without auto steer? <laughs> Kathy's like, yep, we, we still do. No, not always. Um, where do you look? Do you look right ahead of you? Do you look right in front of your front tires in order to go straight? You set your eye on the goal. You cross the field. Set your eye on the goal. If you're looking back to try to go straight, that is not going to work. And so what Jesus is talking about, we, some of us have experienced, if you're constantly looking back, wondering what's going on back there, what do I have, what did I have? Look, you know, if you're looking at the backside of the field, wishing that you're still back there, you're not going to be able to plow a furrow straight at all. You have to keep your eye on the goal. And so this guy, he wants to do the work, look in the wrong direction. Remember what we had? Remember the way that things were? Remember how great it was when we were kids? Remember that Bible study? Remember that thing that happened in the past? Maybe we can get that again. Hmm. What are you holding on to? Is your eye on the goal? Or is your eye on your past experiences? 
Your emotions are pulling you back. Are you willing to surrender that and say, Lord, give me something. Give me the next challenge. Remember when things were easier? Remember 2019? (laughs) Remember pre-COVID? Why are we focused on that? Okay, Lord, what's my next task? What's the job ahead of me? I just want to say farewell. I just want to say goodbye to that. Why are you even focusing on it? It's gone. Look ahead. Because one that's not looking ahead, looking to the kingdom, looking to Christ, who Christ is not Lord, that one who's looking behind, wishing that they still had those things. Things were so much better before. Jesus says, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Solomon says, that's all vanity anyways. Solomon says, it's foolishness. Because those things aren't coming back and it actually probably wasn't that good back then anyways. We look back and we just like to see the high points. We don't see all the valleys that we had to go through. Solomon says, vanity. It's foolishness. Don't look back. Look forward. Well, there's work ahead. Look at all that we did in the past. No, there's work ahead. Because if you're looking back, you're looking at the job that you just accomplished. Instead of looking at the work that God has for you to do. Because no matter what, and I was, I was talking to the folks at Brent Ridge about this Thursday. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on around you, God's got work for you. Because if God didn't have any work for you, he'd just take you home. You've got work to do in the physical realm. You've got work to do in the spiritual realm. If you can pray, James says you have not because you ask not. If you can pray, you can do work in the spiritual realm. You can pray, God, you've got to bless these people. You know what the cool thing is? I'm standing here in Minnesota, my wife is down in Houston, and I can bless her. Because the Holy Spirit has no bounds. He doesn't care how physically active I am. He doesn't care how intellectually sharp I am. He doesn't care which words I use. He knows. He is not bounded by these things. I'm bounded by these things. I can't touch my wife from here to Houston. can't do it. But you know what? He can. So you can say, Lord, bless Lord, move. Lord, protect. If I'm sitting in the car with him, I can kind of protect him. But you know the Holy Spirit, he's there with him already. He can protect. He is not bounded like I am bounded. You're like, oh, I'm so useless. No, you're not. If you can talk to God, you can change the world. Do you believe that? This is what we're told in Scripture. Do you believe the Bible? Do you actually believe God? And so as we talk about these things, you're like, well, I haven't really experienced that sort of stuff. So I was praying about this on Saturday morning before men's Bible study. And the, the idea of a marathon came into my head. So how many of you have ever had to run a long distance not being chased by something? <laughs> now, if you're being chased by something, you'd do that on a whim. But if you had to run a long distance... A difficult race. Did you practice for that? Okay. If you had to face this question, am I willing to give up my social standing for the sake of Christ? That's going to be a marathon because you're going to be tempted by it every time you interact with those people. Are you ready for that? If you had to give up your goods for the sake of Christ, it might happen. I'm not saying the truckers are doing the Lord's will. I'm not saying that. But I know right now that the government has the ability to freeze my assets because they want to. 
They have that power. They might not wield it. They might not have the right, but they have that power. Am I willing to give up all of my earthly wealth for the sake of Christ? Am I ready for that? Am I ready for that marathon? How do we practice for those things? How do we practice for these things? Well, Lent is coming up. What do we do? This is a time of of fasting, a time of giving something up. It's like, well, usually people give up, you know, I'll give up chocolate or I'll give up ice cream. Not everybody's going to give up chocolate. I understand that. But some of us, it wouldn't matter. (laughs) So we fast. Well, why do we do that? Why do we practice spiritual disciplines? It's like practicing for a marathon. You don't dive right into a marathon and think, hey, I'm going to run 13.1 miles. I'm going to run 26.2 miles. Hey, I'm going to go and run 5K just at the drop of a hat. I might be able to run 5K if someone was chasing me. We practice. We prepare. We prepare our hearts. How do we do that? It's through these spiritual disciplines that we learn to connect more closely with Christ. So what's the purpose of spiritual discipline? Does fasting make me more holy? No. But it, like right now, with my family gone, I'm taking this as a spiritual retreat. Not that my, well, the children are work, but it, yeah, whatever. I'm taking this as a spiritual retreat. I'm taking the time that I'd be spending with them normally and I'm spending more time in silence. I'm spending more time in prayer. It's... Saturday when I would have hung out with my family and played games in between, you know, getting stuff done from Bible study and then getting ready for Edgar's class, I would have spent that time with my family. Well, what did I do with it? I spent time in prayer. I spent time reading the scriptures. I spent time, actually spent time journaling and I'm just continually amazed at how poor my handwriting is. Um, I think I'm focused on the wrong things there though. Why? So that we can spend more time with God. So we fast from physical things. Why? Spend more time with God. We isolate ourselves. Why? Just so that we can experience silence? No, so we can spend more time with God. We can connect more closely with our Creator. Edgar gave us a spiritual discipline on uh, Saturday night. What was the purpose of it? It was to focus my mind back on Christ. To get me back on Christ. That's why we discipline ourselves. Because how do we survive the loss of all of our earthly things? It's by being focused on Christ. How do we survive the loss of all of our social and emotional things? It's by being focused on Christ. It's by having our eyes at the goal instead of sitting here looking back either at the work done or what we left behind. Because our souls are going to seek to focus us back. Our sinful nature is going to seek to focus us back on what we left behind, on what was before. But you know what? The person who's looking behind to figure out how to plow a straight furrow, we've got to be looking ahead. How do we train ourselves to look ahead? It's through the spiritual disciplines that they train us to look to Christ, to bring us back to Christ. Well, I'm tempted to go back. So what? It's fine to be tempted. Oh, I was focused on the wrong thing. Praise God that you acknowledged it. No, back to Christ. Focus on Jesus. That's why we do the spiritual disciplines. Because Christianity is costly. Well, it hasn't really cost me a whole lot yet. Praise God. It might. And when it comes, when your marathon comes, will you be ready?
Or will you have you lived all of your life focused on what was before? These are the questions we need to ask. This is what Christ is offering to us, telling us this might happen. And it's going to happen to some degree. I know some of you who coming to Hosanna had to give up friends. I know some of you, their communities don't like you now because you left their church or that church, this church or that church. I understand that. You had to make those decisions. There could be worse ones. There could be bigger ones. There could be harder ones. If you get cancer, are you going to be bitter towards God or are you going to look to Christ? If you lose a spouse, are you going to just sit and mope or are you going to look to Christ? How are you going to live? Are you going to look to Christ? Keep your eye on the end of the field, on the goal? Are you going to look back on everything that came before? Think about these things. This is what Jesus is telling us. Because as pastor, you know what my job is? do everything I can to make sure you're fit for the field. That's my role. I don't know what marathon you're going to have to run. Are you ready? Lent is coming up. It's time to practice. I can give up chocolate for Lent. Great. Maybe you need to do something harder. I'm going to pray for my enemies during Lent. Mm. How about that one? I'm going to pray for everybody that I know that doesn't like me. And I'm going to ask God to bless them. Janet's like, I don't have to pray for anybody then. (laughs) (laughs) Ask God to bless them and make them prosper. How about that? That'd be a great spiritual discipline. I'm going to give up all desire for control during Lent. (laughs) I'm going to not argue with my spouse all throughout Lent. (laughs) It's going to be rough. <laughs> Think about it. How do I train myself to be fit for the kingdom of God? It's not just about giving something up. It's about by connecting with Christ. How am I going to connect with Christ better? How am I going to follow him more during Lent? I'm going to set a time. How am I going to do that? You can tell me about it afterwards. I, you know, that's great. Discipline yourself. Practice for the race. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. <laughs> I thank you that, that you reveal these truths to us, that life as a Christian isn't about worldly things. It's not about emotional things. It's about Christ. It's about looking forward. Lord, I pray that we would pursue you, that we would look to you, that we would hope in you, that we would trust in you. Lord, that our eyes would be set on you as opposed to the things of this world because the things of this world pass away anyways. Lord, and you never will and you never do. Lord, and you are always faithful. Whereas the things of this world are faithless. They cannot be trusted. But you are faithful. Blessed be your name. Teach us to keep our eyes on you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the call to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.